Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Chief For Yourself. Now, here's Gio. Hi, welcome to Chief For Yourself. Great to have you with us today, wherever you happen to be in the world right now. Our intention on this program, as always, is to maintain good chi or essential energy. Uh, the uh, essential element of life, really, while living a genuine life that speaks to who we really are. We're hearing more and more about the benefits of meditation. In fact, science is getting on board and showing us meditation's uh, benefits on mind, body, and spirit. And our guest today has written a book that speaks to uh, meditators from all levels of experience. But if you followed this program for any length of time, you know I especially like to speak to listeners who are new to the subject or are feeling uh, some resistance from their conditioning or from members of their tribe. Diana Lang is the author of Opening to Meditation, a Gentle Guided Approach. Keywords here being gentle and guided. Plenty of both in the book. She offers us a meditation method that is simple and practical. And Diana, it seems that uh, even though meditation is simple, you say you could teach it in about five minutes, uh, there's an intimidation factor for some people. They think it involves maybe something mystical or something they state they probably won't be able to reach. Uh, it's not really a mystical thing, right? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Well, it's the a practice of meditation, of course, is very straightforward and very doable, no matter what our backgrounds might be. Um, but, of course, it could and does open up the mystical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you get a lot of resistance uh, in your teachings? Are people putting up the walls, ego, whatever, to, uh, to what they're trying <laughs> to do? <laughs> yes. Well, yes, that's true. Um, I've been teaching out here in Los Angeles uh, and all around the world, but primarily here because I'm from here um, for 35 years. So, uh, and I've taught tens of thousands of people to meditate. And yes, uh, there can be resistance. There's fear or concern of what will happen, or they won't be able to do it, or they won't be doing it right, or they're afraid of what they'll encounter. Because, of course, once you start to meditate, a lot of things do happen. Um, you know, your life gets back on track. You start to come into focus. You know, things that maybe we've been putting off and procrastinating about, you know, start to come forth, you know, and conversations that need to happen, happen. And it's pretty accelerating to the life. I say that about meditation, that meditation is an accelerator. Hmm. Well, meditation is certainly being shown to bring about well-being and uh, lead people away from things like pills and medical treatments. Of course, there's money to be made in pharmaceuticals. Is is the media <laughs> is the media having a, a really negative effect on our understanding of meditation with all these pushing pills and things? Yeah. Well, it, it, yes, because it puts the power back in ourselves, you know, for our own healing and. You know, so much of depression and anxiety and all of these kinds of psychological conditions certainly are very much, I feel, spiritually coming from that place of, of feeling disconnected or feeling like it, nothing matters or feeling like 
there's no purpose, when you start to meditate, you hook back into your purpose, your particular purpose, your own, and it's very powerful. And then just in the normal world of just health conditions, of course, it lowers your blood pressure and it creates a sense of well-being in the body, which even if you do have a condition, it helps you deal with it better and helps you heal from it, if it's possible, uh, quicker, you know, because there's less resistance to the healing. And there's a great list uh in the promotional material, I have it right in front of me, of all of the great things that meditation can do for you. And one of the things that grabs my attention, because most of them are pretty obvious, like lower blood pressure and things like that, but meditation can increase self-esteem. How does that work? Yeah, because when you start to connect to, you know, your source or the center of yourself, that higher part of ourselves, the part that's not the ego, right? There is this, this beautiful grace that naturally occurs. And when that happens, you realize that, that you are good, not bad. And the problem with, you know, all of us is if you, I do spiritual counseling all day long and with, you know, many, many people. And when people are speaking honestly and truly and from their hearts, you know, there's a lot of insecurity back there and there's a lot of, uh, self violence in a way, you know, a negative talk to the self. And so when you start to meditate, you start to get wrapped up in that higher view of who we really are. And so self-esteem does change. I noticed recently on one of the uh, big network TV morning shows, the topic of discussion was meditation. And uh, I believe the guest was Russell Simmons. And it's interesting to see a topic like meditation being discussed on a medium that offers so many quick cures and way to, ways to look outside of ourselves. And yet there it was, live and coming into our homes. Why is it that meditation is becoming so popular? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, when I first started teaching meditation, there was, you know, eight people in Los Angeles, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. that did. And, and most of those were from India, you know, or they were Tibetan lamas or something like that. It has become so mainstream now, partly because of yoga and that consciousness that's been coming through. Um, and, and also, people are talking about their practice more. I think, you know, meditation is a pretty private experience, usually. And so it's something we're doing with ourselves most of the time, unless we're in a group or something. But it's become very mainstream where, you know, the Dalai Lama comes to town and Richard Gere is talking about it with the president. You know, I mean, it's out there. Oprah is talking about it with Deepak Chopra and doing those, you know, 21-day meditation challenges and things like that. And there's millions of people on those calls. It's, it's just a whole new world. And, and talk about a simple thing to do. It, it's not so simple to do in, in reality in terms of, you know, when you sit to meditate, there's challenges with that. But in, in, a, in, a, in a bigger way, just this one thing will change your life. To spend five minutes in a meditation can change your life, even one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, yoga a moment ago, and I'm, I'm thinking, uh, do you see a connection between meditation and yoga? Well, yes. I mean, yoga, yoga's heart is meditation, right? The, mm -hmm. and that's a whole world in its own right. Yoga is a limb of, of the asana practices. One of them is yoga out of eight. And another is meditation. That's another one. So within that metaphysical, 
um, world, meditation is definitely part of the teachings within yoga. It doesn't only just come from yoga, though. It's in any tradition that you can think of, and, you know, from mystical Christianity to Kabbalah and, and uh, Judaism, etc. Also, you mentioned that it is kind of a solitary practice, and yet we learn that meditation can help our relationships. Talk about how that can uh, be improved. Did you? I'm sorry, I missed. I didn't hear what you said. Well, we we uh, think of meditation as a solitary practice, and yet uh, it has so much benefit for us uh, in terms of our relationships. How does meditation help our relationships? Oh. Yes, in our relationships outside of ourselves, and our relationship within ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're creating a relationship with yourself. So you're not rejecting yourself anymore, as that non. Judgment, which is one of the side effects of meditation. You start to become less judgmental toward yourself or others. You become perceptive, but not judgmental. That same inner aspect as you practice that with yourself, which is the hardest place to practice with it, you begin to use that outside of yourself. So with your partner or your friendships and all the different ways that we interact with employers and employees, the way we listen changes when we meditate, the way we hear the what we say changes when we meditate because we're not anticipating, you know, what we're going to be saying. We're actually listening to what the other person is saying. And so every conversation starts to change and becomes deeper and so therefore does the relationship because it's, you know, it becomes more intimate and, and open. People from all walks of life will talk about how our society is disconnected. You've written about it and the person on the street would probably agree. So I'll ask you, what are we disconnected from? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> it is it, to me. It's a it's a relationship with our true self. You know, when you see um, or your higher self, people will call it, but it just be your essential self. Let's just call it that because. You know, you don't have to be a, a religious person or a spiritual person to meditate. But but some of these mystical things begin to happen when you do. When you start to connect to that place, whatever you want to call it, the universe or God or divine love or however you see it, you, you are returning to your essence and to your true self. And when we're young and we're born, we are connected to that. We are not confused about who we are in that sense. We are sort of just essence, pure essence. And then as, you know, we're, we grow up into the world and we're corrected and, you know, and all the different ways that we are to how to fit into the world, some of that gets less. And when you meditate, you're actually developing and re-nurturing that aspect, the essence of self back into your life because that's where our internal guidance comes from, you know, mm-hmm. our our spirit in a sense or that, you know, when you get inspired or inspired is inner inspiration. It's that remembering yourself and having those aha moments which are beyond the brain's capability. Well, as, as we mentioned, the meditation is not necessarily a religious experience, yet it is part of some religious practice. How would you look at the difference between a religious experience and a spiritual one? I wouldn't. I would say those are the same, except that in a religious form, you might have a different kind of protocol. You know, do this, then this, then mm-hmm. this, and then this will happen. But the thing is, all of them have... At, at their hearts, this silencing the mind, getting out of the ego, everybody uses different terminology to talk about this, you know, give 
give yourself to God, you know, or to Jesus or to what, you know, whoever it is that you're, you know, whatever your background of religion might be. So there's this, this, um, surrender in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. To something higher than ourselves. And it's really, to me, the simplest way to talk about it is to get out of the ego mind into that creative consciousness. Our guest on this Chief for Yourself is Diana Lang, author of Opening to Meditation, A Gentle Guided Approach. That ego mind, I guess, is uh, is pretty chatty at times. <laughs> how do you <laughs> how do you deal with that? I mean, I got all kinds of things going on in there, and well, how do you how do you treat that? Yes, very kindly <laughs> and patiently, <laughs> yes. you know, because the the mind is a thinking instrument. That's its function, right? Mm-hmm. You can't tell the mind not to think. The mind's function is to think. But what we're looking for in meditation are those spaces in between the thoughts and in between the breaths, that's even more subtle, where you start to teach yourself that you are not your thinking only, you know, that your thinking is an aspect of the self, but it's not the whole of the self. When you have creative insight or inventive thought, new thought, that's not from the brain. It's like, you know, you think of Einstein, you know how he would imagine you know, being the speed of light. And he actually saw himself as a point of light turtling through space, you know, at the speed of light. And in his imagination, as he considered that and felt that, then he came back to the drawing board, essentially, and created the formula, you know, that would prove his inspiration or what he felt when he was in that meditative state, in a Mm -hmm. sense. Do you Mm -hmm. understand? Yeah. And so this is powerful. (laughs) And so we want that creative solution to be able to look with different eyes or new eyes at something that feels fixed and given. It's these people like Galileo, you know, that that went against all the common knowledge and said, no, you know, the the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. (laughs) But that took some kind of powerful inner Mm -hmm. awareness that he then proved. Mm -hmm. Using his mind in service to his inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm wondering, too, uh, besides the mind chatter, I I tend to be a little fidgety when I uh, meditate. I got head bobbing and feet kind of moving around and tapping. Is that that really uh, counterproductive or, or is that something I can get away with? (laughs) Well, you know, that's why I wrote the book. I I answer all of these questions in the book of, like, what do I do with my hands? How do I sit? How should I sit? Uh, What do I do if my mind is thinking? And I literally go through every one of those kinds of questions because they're everyone's questions. What you're asking is, are the questions to ask. They're beautiful and right, and there are answers to these. And they're kind of all the same answer, in a sense, is to just sit anyway, right? To sit, you know, whether if you feel physically right, so that's information, you know, of that, you know, we were talking earlier about why do we not, why do we go away from ourselves even, is because we're a little bit afraid of ourselves. And one of the things I say to my students often is don't be afraid of yourself, you know, what's there, what's within you is holy, it's perfection in a sense, but we're so in dread <laughs> that there's going to be something in there that is bad or wrong, and, you know, so we won't even look. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you meditate is you try to still your body, you still your mind, you still your thinking as best as that can be, right? And you can still fidget or think, but we're still trying to open up those spaces in between the thoughts, and 
the good news is, you know, when I teach meditation to brand new students, I really ask very little of them, it seems, although I'm asking a lot, actually. And what I'm asking from them is to, for three weeks, meditate for five minutes every day. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, I can do five minutes, that's easy. <laughs> but you'd be surprised, you know, and when I teach like a hundred people, ten of them will meditate every day with us. Ten of them will never meditate at all except for when we meet, and the rest of them are in the middle, you know. And so that's the reality is because it's not that easy to do to find to find five minutes, oddly, that we will dedicate to becoming, come into that silence and to open into that space and all that that happens because once you open up a meditation practice, there's a world in there as much of a world as there is outside of us, there is a world within us that is equally rich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, duration of meditation is uh, really not the important thing. It's just being consistent. Yes, the doing of it. It's mm-hmm. uh, quality, not quantity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also that t- tipping into it because all the benefits, and I list them in my book quite extensively, what happens when you start to meditate and why you would want to, will not happen, cannot happen, <laughs> if there's no meditation practice. So you got to sit down and do it. But even in a, like I was saying earlier, even one time makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And certainly if you meditated for three weeks, you would actually see and experience things that you would identify as connected to that meditation uh, practice that you had done for three weeks. Yeah. Now, I know you can meditate just about anywhere, but I'm going to ask you, if you were to set up a space, uh, someone who's just getting started in a practice and wanted to have their own little space for meditation, what, uh, what would that look like? Or what, is, what are your suggestions, anyway, for setting aside a sacred space? Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful question. Well, a sacred space is whatever you decide it is, right? So, you know, typically you'll see people will have a little chair or a pillow they sit on or some place in the house that's very quiet. Of course, you want the phones to be turned off, you know, when you so that you're not going to get distracted as much. You're still going to get distracted, but you'll get distracted less. But I also say, as much as you might have a place in your house that is a place that you think of as your meditation spot, because of either it's beautiful or it's silent or it, you, some people set up little altars, you know, and they have a little candle that they light and things like that. These are all very powerful conditioners because even every time you walk by that space, you sort of have a little moment where you remember your meditation that you had that morning. But you can also meditate in your car. You can meditate at your office. You can meditate, you know, at, at the park. You can meditate. What's so great about it is you can, it goes with you. You can take meditation with you. You don't need any necessarily special circumstances to, in order to meditate. But there are things that will be conducive to a deeper meditation, like a place that you always visit. So whenever you sit in that chair, then in a way you're already preconditioned to go into a meditation mm-hmm. no state when you're sitting there. <laughs> now I know in your in your own practice you have uh, or in your own uh, um, business you have a lot of uh, clients, individual clients, but we're seeing more businesses, industry get involved with meditation too. That's a, a very positive sign. Uh, are, are you seeing more of that in your own work? Yeah, well, it's everywhere. You know, I worked during the financial crisis that we had. I happened to be working with 
three different stockbrokers just coincidentally had <laughs> these three different people from three different right. companies and they were in their businesses the only people that actually made money during that time. Just as a little example, when you meditate, you have creativity in terms of what you're looking at, you know, and it makes you look at your life differently so that it's not a fixed condition of a dire, terrible outcome, but something creative can happen. And when you meditate, you're you're asking for that and you're opening to that. Mm. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> One final question, and, and we'll let you go. Uh, you've studied spiritual teachings from around the world, and there are so many expressions of spirituality and religion on the planet, and yet we have as much or more strife and warfare as really any time in history. What is it that you think we're just not getting and uh, keeping us stuck in hostility toward each other that we can start to remedy today if we really wanted to? Oh, that's sweet. Well, you know, it's to me, meditation, and this is just my own perspective, is that meditation is about the action of love. You know, and, and my question to myself always is, what would love do? What would love say? You know? And when you bring that question into how do you heal the ocean, or how do you heal two countries that are warring, or a relationship that you're having or there's some um, unforgiveness happening, that these are where love is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you ask, when we ask the question, what would love do, what would love say, you know, there is a new kind of an answer there rather than the ego's answer, which is annihilate it or <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> make it go away. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, that's a good place to uh, to wrap it up today on the uh, the uh, mention of love. And uh, I want to mention, too, your website. That's dianalang.com. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and there are many meditations there that people mm-hmm. can listen to that are guided, which are really helpful in the beginning. And we can find out more about the book as well. Get the book through the, the website. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. The book being and all op- the normal outlets as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Okay. The book is Opening to Meditation, a Gentle Guided Approach uh, from Diana Lang, our guest today. Thanks so much for being with us, Diana. And when uh, you come up with another project, as I'm sure you will soon, um, <laughs> give us a shout or we'll uh, we'll keep our ear to the rail for you and, and have you back on the program. I'd enjoy that. I'd love that, John. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there will be a link to Diana Lang's website at ChiefForYourself.com. You can hear this interview and some of the most recent episodes of Chief For Yourself there. And you can subscribe to Genuline's, the blog, for blog posts and show information. Just leave your email address in the box provided, and you'll know who's going to be on the program and when. That's the way we do it. Chief for Yourself YouTube page, good place to hear archive shows. Go there and uh, hear the shows, and of course, subscribe as well and be kept up to date in that direction. You'll also find Chief for Yourself on Facebook. I've been neglecting that lately. Got to show a little love to Facebook. Go there and like the show on Facebook. I'll be uh, posting now and then on the Facebook page and uh, sharing some things as well. So, Chief for Yourself on Facebook, don't want to forget that. And that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for being part of our day. Be well, and I'll talk to you soon.